for our message as we begin our Lenten message series. It's a six-week series, and it's so important we're starting before Lent. We're starting a week early, which is a reminder that this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and so we invite you to check out our website, churchnativity.com slash Lent, for all we're doing to kick off uh, the season of Lent and this day of prayer. So if you haven't guessed, we're going to be talking about the topic of healing over the next six weeks. And um, I have to admit to, the, admit to you that this is a little bit outside my comfort zone. Um, maybe it's a little bit outside your comfort zone. And if, if so, congratulations. That's good news because growth is always outside of our comfort zone in every area of life, including our faith life. And I've come to this topic a little bit reluctantly. It's a topic my wife, Mia, has introduced me to. And I'm reluctant to talk about healing. I've been reluctant to look into the topic of healing. And as I thought about my life and why that is, I came to the conclusion it kind of comes down to where I grew up. As many of you know, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. And yes, I'm still grieving the Super Bowl. And that was a terrible call at the end of the game. No doubt. But in any case, you know, I grew up outside of Philadelphia, and, and I never would have called the city like this growing up, but I've heard many people describe Philly as being Philly tough. And I do think Philadelphia is a city, a culture that celebrates toughness. We see it in football, that uh, we love hard-hitting football. And when I was growing up, Buddy Ryan was the Eagles uh, football coach. He was the coach, and he loved hard-hitting football, and the, the city loved him for that. And I think that almost emanated into all kinds of football, like Pop Warner League. I remember playing football and my mom came and observed a little bit of the practice one time and then, you know, I got into the car and we're driving home and she said to me, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Why do you say that? And she said, well, they just yelled at you the whole time. And I'm like, mom, it's football. That's what they do. And then, you know, so tough, hard-hitting football. And then there's Rocky. I mean, think about it. The icon of Philadelphia is Rocky. And who's tougher, grittier than Rocky? I mean, there's a lot of iconic scenes in that movie. But to me, one of the most iconic is where Rocky is in a freezer and he's punching frozen meat to prepare. I mean, what's tougher than that? So I grew up in a city, I think, that celebrated toughness. And then I didn't just, you know, I grew up in, in Philadelphia, but I grew up Philly Catholic. And when I think about my Catholic education, which I'm very grateful for, it gave me a great foundation, but it wasn't about, you know, it was, a, it was tough. It was celebrated military discipline. I remember in first grade, there were the squares, the tile squares, and you were taught, you stand in that square with your hands by your side, and you look forward. You do not talk. You do not turn to the left or the right. You, you just look forward. And then there was Eucharistic adoration. And in Eucharistic adoration, I always remember there was like a nun that would clap her hands and you would kneel and clap your hands and you would stand and clap your hands and you would kneel and clap your hands and stand again. And then there were the May processions. Oh my goodness. Now, now some people, you might not know what a May procession is. Someone asked me about it this week. It was like this worship service, that, this worship event that honored Mary and they, they were great, but like you would practice for hours and hours and they would have you singing as loud as you possibly could and it was never loud enough and they would go over it over and over again and so you were singing so much that your lungs were bleeding and your throat was raw and sore and then if you complained about that or anything i mean anything they would say this to you they would say offer it up which sounded a lot like suck it up 
So that for me, in my mind, was just what I associate with faith, discipline, toughness, and all, all good stuff needed in our faith. But when I hear about healing, I thought, well, that's kind of kind and that's soft, but that's, you know, it's part of the faith, but not really all that important. But as I said, my wife Mia has been talking to me about this the last couple of years, and I started reading some things. And as I began reading, I started coming to a conclusion that I came to a few years ago, many years ago, about the topic of money. I'd heard a preacher say, you can't be a fully devoted follower of Christ and be lost in your finances. He simply said too much about it. And that started me on a journey to, to read scriptures and read more and look at my finances differently. Well, I've had the same kind of experience when it came to the topic of healing, that I've come to believe you can't be a fully devoted follower of Christ and be lost on what Jesus said about healing. He just said too much about it, and he modeled too much about it. So today, I want to share, share with you three surprising, maybe even shocking truths about healing. And to help us with that, we're going to look at a gospel passage from the gospel of Mark Mark is my favorite gospel. I love Mark, and it's because of passages like these. We're told, again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And they watched to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. So who are the players here? We have he, that is Jesus. There's a man there with a withered hand, and then we're told they watched to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So they might accuse him. Who was the they? The they we're going to find out are the Pharisees and the Herodians, the religious and political leaders. So really we're going to see that the tension is not whether Jesus heals this guy. You probably can guess he will, but the tensions between Jesus and these political and religious leaders. And in the middle, there's a guy there with a withered hand. Now, when we think about the miracles of Jesus, a guy with a withered hand doesn't seem like a big deal. But... Uh, if you think about it, it, it was a big deal because, first of all, ever have any little injury in your body and it, it kind of ruins you a little bit, right? I mean, you, you can hurt a pinky or a thumb. There's going to be a little thing in your back or just your neck. Is, and, and you just realize, wow, I didn't, I, I didn't realize how much I used that part of my body. And, and it bothers us. And so God made the whole body to work together. When something's off, it, it messes up with everything with, with us. And then, you know, I think it's a reminder, too, that Jesus cares about the smallest hurts, the smallest wounds we have. And for this guy, think about it. Back in his culture, his day, most people earned their living from manual labor. So a withered hand was no small thing. It was a big deal. And then it says this. They watched to see whether he would heal the political and religious leaders weren't seeing if he could, but whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Now, this was a big deal because, you see, God had created the Sabbath as a gift to humanity. God had given, created the Sabbath so that human beings could rest in him and learn to put their trust in him. It was a gift, but unfortunately, the political and religious leaders of that time used it as a weapon to control and manipulate people. And so, here's, here's the thing about Jesus. He never turned anybody away when they asked for healing. And throughout the Gospels, we see people coming to Jesus. He never once turned anyone away. But usually, his healings were reactive. But every healing Jesus did on the Sabbath 
was proactive. Every, every healing, every time that Jesus took the initiative on a healing, it was on a Sabbath. And this leads us to the first surprising truth about healing, maybe even shocking. Healing was a core part of Jesus' mission as the Messiah. You see, the Sabbath went right to the heart of what God was doing and what the Messiah was going to do. And so Jesus heals on the Sabbath to make the point it's core to his mission as the Messiah. At one point in his life, John the Baptist starts to doubt whether Jesus is really the Messiah. He's in prison. Life's not going well for him. And he's like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have been pointing to Jesus. And so he sends his emissaries, his disciples to Jesus. He says, are you the one who's to come or should we wait for another? Are you the Messiah or not? And Jesus tells John's disciples, go back and tell John, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. In other words, Jesus says, am I the Messiah? Tell John about all the healing that's going on. 21%, 21, so over one-fifth of the Gospels are about Jesus healing people. Sometimes it's said in passing. Like a couple weeks ago in the passage we read, it said, and crowds came to Jesus and he healed them all. Sometimes it's just said in passing like that, matter of fact, and sometimes we go deep into a healing story as what happens here. The passage continues, and he said to the man who had a withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful, to, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. So Jesus sees the guy with a withered hand, and he says, come on up here. Guy comes on up on, onto the altar or the stage or whatever it would have been where they looked at the focal point. And, he, and he, then he looks to the Pharisees and the Herodians, these political and religious leaders. He's like, tell me, is it good or not for me to heal him? But they're silent. They can't say yes. They can't say yes because they oppose Jesus. Their silence does not imply consent. It implies an opposition to Jesus doing good to healing this guy. And as Jesus challenged these political and religious leaders, as he leans into the conflict, he knows that's there and he calls it out. The air would have been thick, thick with that spirit of opposition, of these opposing forces. You've had that experience, haven't you? Where there's just something in the background and the air is thick. You've, you've had that experience at home, you've had it at work, maybe surprisingly with friends, you're having a good time, and all of a sudden there is just this thickness of opposition, these opposing forces. There's this opposition because Jesus wants to heal this guy. This brings us to the second surprising truth about healing. Healing requires toughness as well as tenderness. You see, we, we, we see the healings of Jesus and we see his compassion. We see his, his, his tenderness, of course, but we can miss out on his toughness. But it's on full display here. See, here's the thing about healing. Healing is needed because we live in a broken, fallen world. But because we live in a broken, fallen world, it will be opposed let me say that again. The reason we need healing is our world is broken. Our world is fallen. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. But because we live in a broken, fallen world, it will be opposed. And 
That's surprising to us because we would think, well, isn't everyone for healing? Wouldn't everyone want to see people's bodies healed and people's hearts healed and relationships healed and our world healed? Wouldn't everyone want to see that? And the answer is no. There are spiritual forces that work against healing. And unfortunately, there are people that join with those forces to work against healing. So healing will be opposed as Jesus is opposed here so, here, here. so that's why we have to push past that, and there's some toughness needed as we see in Jesus right here. So Jesus says this, we're told, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. He looked at them, and he was angry that they would oppose this guy's healing. And then he grieved their hardness of heart. When it comes to heart, when it comes to healing, we have to be aware of our own hardness of heart. We can develop a hardness of heart if we're not careful. And that hardness of heart can be towards our own wounds and hurt and towards the wounds of others. You know, there's, there's our own, you know, wounds. We can be like, hey, I'm fine, out of pride, right? Our hardness of heart can look like pride. Hey, I'm good, I'm fine, don't worry about me, stay away, God. Right? It can, it can be a look, our hardness of heart can look like fear. We can be afraid that maybe to be healed, we might have to go through some pain, right? Especially emotional wounds or hurts from the past. You know, sometimes we've got to dig up some of that stuff and we just don't want to go there. But, you know, in the same way a doctor, if you, if you break a bone, needs to reset it and it's a little bit painful. You know, I've broken my thumb, my elbow, my hand, and each time that the doctor had to reset it, and it's painful, doesn't feel good, but if, the do- if I don't go through that pain, it, it won't heal properly. So sometimes our hardness of heart looks like a fear. Sometimes we just don't want to look stupid. Um, as we talked about this as a message team, we, we, we went back to some of the faith healers of the 80s, and, and they thought, well, wasn't it all fake, and I don't want to look you know, stupid, and I don't want to be duped, and of course, no one wants to look dumb or naive. We can fear disappointment. Maybe you've prayed before. You've prayed that someone would be healed, and they weren't, and so someone you loved, and you're just like, I don't know. I just, I just can't go through that again. There can be a hardness of heart that comes and makes our pain bigger than God. We get so focused on our hurts or our wounds that we we think God's not even big enough to take care of it. So there can be a hardness of heart towards our own hurts and wounds. Then there can be a hardness of heart towards others. And and here's just let me say one thing. Jesus sees your wounds. He sees your hurt. And he has nothing but compassion for them. In fact, he died for them. Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds we are healed. So Jesus looks upon your wounds with compassion. So we can become hard-hearted about our own wounds, and we can become hard-hearted about the wounds of others. You know, we can just be like, hey, we hear about people's hurts. Life's tough. We all got our problems. Good luck with yours. 
There was a, a Seinfeld episode one time where George pours his heart out to Jerry and he, he talks about the wounds growing up in his family and his father's wounds and the, the mean things that were said to him as a kid and he pours out his heart to Jerry and how does Jerry respond? Well, good luck with all that. Stay away. <laughs> I, you know, I, I gave him this a little bit last month. My wife, me, and I, we went to go see a concert, Get the Let Out. I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan, and so Get the Led Let Out's a tribute band, and they were playing down at Ramshead. And so we, we drive into the city. Uh, we park in a parking garage right by Ramshead. We go in. We, we go to the concert. We get there early, get the best place we possibly can, watch the concert. Awesome concert. We come out, and uh, to, in the, there's the, you pay for the parking down in the lobby, so there's a line there to pay to get out of the parking garage. So I get in line, and there's also a, a guy there asking for money. And so I take three bucks out of my wallet, and I give it to my wife, me, and I say, hey, go give it to the guy. So I stand in line, I pay the parking ticket, and I turn around, and there's Mia talking to him. And I'm like, oh, no, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. I knew she just couldn't give him the money. And then, and then she's like, come here, come here. Tom will pray with us. He's a Christian, too. I'm like, no, I'm not. I just want to go home. But my wife, she's got a good heart, and she, you know, we, we listen to him a little bit. We, we pray for him, and it was fine. It was good. It didn't even take all that long, but got hard-hearted. So we have to beware of our hardness of heart. And so Jesus overcomes their hardness of heart. We're told... He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand and it was restored. It was restored just like that. In an instant, this man is healed. He listens to Jesus and he's healed. He does the possible. Jesus does the impossible. And that leads us to a third surprising truth about healing. There is a mystery to healing that we need to embrace. There's just a mystery to healing. Why did Jesus heal this guy and not someone else on that day? I don't know. Why does it seem that Jesus sometimes heals people in an instant and sometimes he takes them through a process? I don't know. Oh, I a little, about a little over a year ago, we told the story of Andrea who God healed in this incredibly miraculous way because people prayed for her. But many years ago, we lost the guy, Rob, who led, who led our worship band. And if there are many people who were praying for him, why did God heal Andrea and not Rob? I don't know. When it comes to praying for people and healing, is it we get a critical mass or a certain amount of people and then they'll be healed? I don't know. Well, is it like 50% prayer and 50% medical care? I don't know. What I do know or do believe is that God uses the miraculous and the mundane to heal people. That God uses prayer and medical care. But there's a mystery when it comes to healing. And so we could add as a corollary to this truth that like everything else in the Christian life, healing requires faith. 
Jesus never healed the, the two people in the exact same way. There's, there's principles to healing. There's no template. It, ju- it just requires some faith. faith. And Jesus acted on people's faith. And that faith might look different in different circumstances. Maybe we can, you can pray for someone's healing and invite God to heal someone, and the healing you were looking for doesn't happen. And in those instances, faith might look like believing God is doing something because God is always healing broken bodies. He's always healing broken relationships. God is a healer, but sometimes that healing looks different than what we expect. And so when we don't experience that healing, maybe in a year or maybe five years or maybe 10 years or maybe on the other side of eternity, we will understand what God was doing. But we have faith to trust that God is at work in those moments. So sometimes it means being open to the other healing God is bringing. Sometimes faith looks like persevering and persevering, knowing there are spiritual forces working against healing. We really do believe God wants to bring healing, and we don't quit, and we don't give up. We're resilient, and we persevere. Right? And so Jesus persevered. He heals this guy. And look at the end of the story just to complete it. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Rhodians against him how to destroy him. Are you kidding me? Jesus heals this guy and their response, their response is to figure out, figure out how do we stop it? How do we destroy him? And we know from the Gospels that their first way to try to destroy Jesus is to discredit him among the crowds. And when that didn't work, they destroyed him by nailing him to a cross. But you know what? That didn't stop him because three days later, he rose from the dead and Jesus is still healing people today. And he invites us to join him. But you gotta be tough. You gotta be Philly tough. You gotta be Baltimore tough. You gotta be Tampa tough. You gotta be Christian tough because there are opposing forces. So, for the rest of this series, we're gonna look at this topic of healing. And we have three goals for our series. Number one, just to awaken ourselves to the importance Jesus placed on healing and how vital it is in the Christian life. Number two, We are going to receive the healing. We want to receive the healing Jesus wants to bring into our lives. And three, to participate with Jesus in bringing healing to our broken world. Now, these are our goals as a community. When we go into a message series, we want the whole church to be changed. So our hope is that we accomplish all three goals as a parish community. But, you know, you you can choose your own adventure here. You can choose to go as deep as you want to go because obviously these are deepening. I mean, the first place is just to awaken ourselves. So just to get to know more. And for that, you can plan to join the series, get in your small, go to your small group. That's going to help you awaken. Second, receive the healing Jesus wants to bring. We're going to be uh, having some events, uh, some moments after Mass, all the rest of this series, where there will be opportunities for you to receive the healing Jesus wants to give to you. All right, so pay attention for those opportunities. And then third, participate with Jesus in bringing healing to a broken world. Maybe 
through this series, you're going to see how God wants to use you to bring healing to others. So that's where we're going for this series. That's the goals. So as, as we wrap up, I invite you to stand. And we're going to pray. I just pray that right now that we can open up our minds, open up our hearts, and if, if, you're, if you're comfortable enough, just open up your hands. So pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who's by wounds we are healed. That you sent because you, you love us so much. So God, help us to want to receive the healing your son wants to give us. And if we're even feeling now, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Lord. Be like, okay, to help us to want to want to be healed and to hear all that you have for us this Lent, what you have in store for us. So God, we just take it up, take this moment to thank you, to open up just a little. So through the course of the series, we'd awaken to the truth that you want to heal us and open up to the opportunities of how you want us to be instruments of your healing to others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.